1: and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. Unless you've been living under a rock, you'll probably know that one of the year's most anticipated films, Greta Gerwig's Barbie starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, America Pereira, Issa Rae, and dozens more releases this month in theaters. And needless to say, the world is tickled pink with excitement. Or at the very least, I definitely am. With the excitement of the movie, all of our eyes are back on the doll herself, full name Barbara Millicent Roberts. Now, if you can tell from the fact that I just casually dropped Barbie's full government name, or if you follow me on any social media platform, you'll know that I'm something of an amateur Barbie expert. And this month, I'll be taking you on a deep dive into the full world of Barbie, or covering as much ground as I can. But of course... Before we can begin, we've got to lay the groundwork, so our journey this week starts with the history of Barbie. So if that sounds good to you, let's get started. So I know I always say that I'm going to try and keep this brief and then I end up making the episode 30 minutes, Um, but I'm serious this time I'm going to try and have a little bit more control (laughs) and try and, and not mire everything down uh in in too much in too much knowledge um but also not keep you wanting more you know what i mean like i i'm gonna try my best to not uh fully just info dump and we'll be here for an hour we've got a whole month to cover barbie so we're gonna talk a lot about this doll Also, this is different from, you know, like any film or kind of TV show that I cover because Barbie is a doll, but also she appears in film and TV and she's a toy and she's in books and she's in music. And there are so many ways to talk about this 11 and a half inch doll. Sorry. With that being said, there's got to be a little bit of method to this madness. So, of course, we got to start at the beginning, the origins of the doll. So, Barbie is the creation of Ruth Handler, in addition to her husband, Mark Elliott. And Mark Elliott, at the time, was the co-founder of Mattel. Mattel is a toy company. It is still a toy company. Barbie is still under the the umbrella of, of Mattel. It's kind of, I would say, probably one of their most prominent products. Uh, I think they also make, like, Hot Wheels, and I think maybe American Girl might now be under... Um, Mattel, I'm not quite sure. I'd have to look that up. But Barbie is Mattel. Mattel is Barbie. They go hand in hand. So the idea for Barbie came from when Ruth Handler was looking at her daughter, Barbara, playing with paper dolls. So this was around the, the 50s. And kind of to describe what play was like around this time, most dolls that um, kids had were mainly just, like, baby dolls, um, mimicking, you know, kind of, like, cosplaying motherhood (laughs) in a way. Um, so these were dolls that were meant to be tended to, like, you change them, you feed them, you know, the whole idea of, like, playing house is very much that. So there weren't a ton of dolls that were, like, adults. That wasn't really, like, a thing, necessarily. Like, most dolls were kind of, like, kids. They were like kids or babies and the kids were meant to take care of them and nurture them and all those things. So in watching her daughter, she realized that there was kind of this gap in the market. There was this opportunity to be had to have an adult doll that kids could play with. And so that idea kept going and she kind of shopped it to her husband at the time um, Mark Elliot, and he was like, I don't really think that this is going to be a good idea. And many people thought us sim- were kind of of the same mind. They were like, I don't really think kids are going to want to play with this. There wasn't a ton of interest in it. But Ruth Handler, she was like, I think this is, this is something. There's something here. So in 1956, she was on a trip to Europe and she comes across this doll named Build Lily. That's the name of the doll. It's a German doll and it's uh, a very, uh, it's just an adult doll. Um, the, If you look at a Build Lily doll and Barbie, they do look very similar. um, In that, basically, uh, they have boobs. (laughs) They look like an an adult woman. They have boobs and like they don't look like a baby doll, pretty much. Um, And the I think the origins of Build Lilies were that they were this character that came from a German comic book, like comic strip, Um, and then they were turned into an actual doll that were mainly sold in Germany, and they were sold to adults initially. They were kind of seen as like a risque little, you know, thing, uh, like a little joke, a little gag for adults. And then eventually they became popular with children. Um, And so Handler sees this and she's like, ah, okay, that's what this doll, this idea that I have, could be patterned after this Build, Build Lily doll make sure to remember that because that does come back <laughs> a little bit later, um, when when Barbie, you know, finally comes on the scene. Also I'd like to mention that the build the build Lily doll, the doll's name was Lily and the newspaper's name was Build. So it's just it goes hand in hand. But that is the essentially the inspiration visually, um, for for Barbie. So, during that trip, Ruth Handler buys the Lily dolls, and she buys three of them. She gives one to her daughter, and then she um, takes the other ones back to Mattel, and this is when they begin the process of making Barbie. So Handler, with the help of a inventor and designer by the name of Jack Ryan, uh, basically kind of take this Lily doll and begin to redesign her to fit what they wanted Barbie to look like. And maybe may be thinking, where does the name Barbie come from? It's incredibly simple, and I've actually already said the inspiration for the name in the episode. The name Barbie comes from Ruth Handler's daughter, Barbara. So they just kind of took the nickname of Barbara and made it Barbie. And so Barbie is named after Ruth Handler's daughter. Very sweet. So on March 9th, 1959, Barbie debuted at the New York Toy Fair, and this is when we first see her. She's dressed in a black and white striped uh, swimsuit, she's got her little, like, sunglasses, she's got a, like, uh, a curly bang, and her hair is in a ponytail, they had two designs, um, once it went to market, a blonde and a brunette. So, you know, diversity. Um, But there was a lot of skepticism when Barbie was shown at this world fair and eventually when it went to market. um, There was a lot of skepticism from parents and just anyone alike, including Mattel even then, because she was this woman doll, you know, in a American market that was that had dolls, but they were mainly just, like, babies and toddlers, and they were meant to be, you know, cared for and kind of simulated, you know, motherhood and and parenthood in in general. Um, Barbie is this, like, seemingly, like, single adult woman, um, and we're giving this to to children, um, especially, like, little girls. And so there was a lot of controversy just with her like looking the way that she does. She kind of had a Jessica Rabbit thing, you know, like she's not bad. She's just drawn that way. This, you know, Barbie was kind of, it was kind of a similar notion. She just existed. And that was kind of a, she was going to be mired in controversy. Let's just say that. So Barbie, you know, takes off. Boom. Like we're, we're hitting the ground running. Barbie is on the scene. And by the sixties, like, She's going, you know, she's got her accessories, she's got the outfits. I know some of the early Barbies. Um, if you ever want just a really good retrospective um video, actually a couple of videos, Trixie Mattel, who I absolutely love, uh, she has a lot of videos talking about Barbie. Um, because she's a collector, and I think she just made a video not too long ago about, like, the history of the Barbie doll, and she has a lot of these Barbie dolls, and one of them, um, one of the earlier iterations, I can't remember which year it's from, but this Barbie came with wigs, and I just think that that is just very, very fun. That's a very fun notion, and they should have kept that going, but, you know, to each its own. So you remember how I said that <laughs> you kind of don't need to forget the whole like build Lily doll situation, yeah? So that does come back in the early sixties because the company that made the Lily dolls did sue Mattel because they were like, "Hey, this kind of looks similar to our doll," and Mattel was like, "Nah," and they were like, "Yeah, huh? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. It that looks like our doll." And so they kind of were in a bit of a litigious, let's just say, uh, battle. And eventually that ended in 1964 with Mattel just buying the copyright to the Build Lily doll um, for around $21,000. So again, Barbie from the onset was mired in controversy. The doll was released in 1959 and now already by 1961, she had her first lawsuit. And let me tell you something. Trouble would not stay too far behind with this doll. Uh, Love her to death. Messy, messy, a lot of things, very messy. So like I said, her being this doll that was an adult brought on a lot of, you know, I would say kind of good controversy because it did help to shape the idea that children could play with dolls that were a lot more aspirational um, than just parenthood. Um, I think it opened the door, or was at least assisting in opening the door uh, for young girls to be able to kind of play. And, you know, a part of play is imagination and part of imagination is like your mind not being limited by only what you can see right in front of you, you know? Like your imagination is boundless. And I think ultimately, no matter what barbie is kind of this embodiment of boundless imagination um you know from all the jobs that she's had just the the just the literal just idea of her she is boundless imagination and a really big crux of that was that you know for the majority of of it she was kind of this like woman who was not you know married she owned her own house she had her own car she got she, like she had jobs um a lot of the 1960s um was barbie beginning her very decorated career of having jobs she's a professional she I consider barbie to be a professional job haver she never stops having a job. And so in 1965, we get astronaut Barbie. Uh, 1962, we get the first uh, Barbie dream house, which was made of like paper. Um, So it calls kind of back to the paper doll roots, I guess, of Barbie. Uh, But she owns her own house. She becomes an astronaut, which this predates, I think, the first woman in space by like 20 years. Um, So again, you don't think... Uh, astronaut Barbie would be controversial in any way, but at that time, a woman in space, that was kind of a big deal. You know, like to have this doll representing the idea that a woman can be in space, it was kind of for toys a pretty revolutionary notion and i think ultimately that's what's kind of contributed to the legacy of barbie you know we joke that she's had all these all of these jobs but i think when you have a doll that stands out from the market of you know having a career and having these ambitions and everything it does help with how a child chooses to approach the idea of play and it can contribute i think in a positive way to to the aspect of of play um that tends to to happen with barbie doll so it's a really cool idea by the late 60s we start to see barbie branch out in multiple different ways one of the biggest ways was barbie as a tool for marketing now i talked about this on twitter a couple of days ago but by the 90s, early 2000s. So that was around the time that I was playing with Barbie's. Um, and I was conscious of who Barbie was. The idea of a tie in Barbie, so a Barbie for like, um, there was like a SpongeBob Barbie and a Shrek 2 Barbie, and like all these different, like Barbie's meant to market other brands that weren't Mattel brands was. Massive. It was like, there was a Barbie forever. There was a Coca-Cola Barbie. There was a Campbell Soup Barbie. There was a Russell Stover's Candy Barbie. (laughs) Like, every major brand had a Barbie. Like, and Barbie was essentially is this kind of tool for marketing. And where that kind of begins is with the first celebrity Doll, the first celebrity Barbie doll. And the first celebrity Barbie doll came in 1967, um, and it was the supermodel Twiggy. So, Twiggy was the very first like celebrity Barbie doll, and we've seen so many other celebrities get Barbie dolls. Like, quite literally, most celebrities have had a Barbie doll. I think it's like a rite of passage. That's how you know you've made it as a celebrity if you have a Barbie doll. You know what I mean? Um, Or, like, you play a character that gets a Barbie doll and, like, the likeness of the doll looks like you. It doesn't look like the character. So I know, um, I think I just saw Sasha Kaye just got a Barbie doll um, because she was playing Superwoman um, in the New Flash movie. Obviously, Margot Robbie has her own Barbie doll, like the Barbie doll from the Barbie movie doesn't use the regular barbie face mold it is a mold of margot robbie um and similar i think all of the uh dolls that are like patterned after the different celebrities in the barbie movie they are not the regular face molds like they look like the celebrity or they at least try to get close to their likeness additionally as i said like barbie is beginning to kind of branch out we also get the first uh within the, the grand world of Barbie, get this doll named Christy. And Christy is a black doll. Um, so she's a friend of a Barbie. And this comes as a kind of response or running in tandem with the uh, ongoing civil rights movement. Now, I'm not going to give all this credit to this doll <laughs> because it's a doll at the end of the day. And It's still like a friend of Barbie, like a black Barbie wouldn't come for another maybe 15 years after this point. But it is small steps. You know what I mean? I think the best way to describe Barbie is that, you know, is it always a revolutionary doll? No, Uh, I don't think any great bounds were being broken with the introduction of Christy, but I don't think that it's, it was like it meant nothing for her to be introduced. Like to have a mainstream doll company make a black doll, especially in a racially contentious time in the US, that does, you know, it does speak volumes. And I think it does do something positive. let's just say that. Like I think it it, it is a a helpful um, gesture. And so we get Christy, but again, we don't get like dolls that are Barbie that are of color really until, you know, the 80s. So you, we gotta we gotta hang tight for those types of things. Also in the 60s, we do get the kind of filling out of the Barbie universe. So Like I said, we get Christy who is uh Barbie's friend, but also in 1961, we get Ken, Barbie's, Barbie's beau. I kind of see Barbie and Ken as like Kermit and Miss Piggy. You know what I mean? Like they are very much, we do see them together, right? We do see them as a couple. We've seen them in movies, like being, you know, an item, but they they're not like... They're not like Mickey and Minnie, where we like just kind of associate them with being like married in our heads. Like Kermit and Piggy kind of have a thing where they're like on again, off again. We see them getting together multiple times. You know, it is what it is. Um, Barbie and Ken are kind of a similar situation, even though they're a little bit more tied together. Like they became a little bit more synonymous with one another. Um, So like that, like Barbie... Ken is Barbie's boyfriend and like, you know, they don't, I don't, as far as I know, they don't like own any property to get, they're just dating. And like, again, for that time, it was kind of a big deal that Barbie wasn't married to Ken. She was just dating him, um, and has continued to kind of just date him. Of course they do have wedding Barbies, um, and I'm pretty sure they might have, like, a wedding, Ken, but I don't know if it's, like, a formal thing of, like, they're married. Like, it's always just kind of been considered that they're, like, they're dating. It is funny, though, because they did. <laughs> this is so dumb. Um, but in the two early 2000s, I think they wanted to make, they wanted to edge up Barbie's image a little bit. And, like, we'll get, we'll get there and we'll get to the reason, like, I think why they wanted to add a little bit of texture to barbie's image but technically barbie and ken did did break up in 2004 <laughs> they had a massive blowout to the point where mattel had to really like make a release about it um but then they got together again in 2011 and feasibly speaking they are still together but also in other like in some of the Barbie movies and everything, they're like just seen as friends. So it kind of just depends. But as far as we know, Barbie and Ken, they are, you know, they're talking. They're talking. They're in the talking stage. That's what it is. So they're not like dating other people, but they're not exactly like exclusive all the time. Like Barbie's very much doing her own thing. And Ken is also doing his own thing. And like they could date other people, but they're just not, but they're not like tied down. You know, they don't want to put a label on it. That's Barbie and Ken. <laughs> so in addition to Ken, we also get Barbie's three younger sisters, Skipper, Stacy, and originally Kelly. That was the name of her, I think her smallest, her youngest sister. Um, but in 2011, they changed Kelly to Chelsea. Um, so there's that. So I know a lot of people, when it comes to the Barbie movie, they were like, oh, like, where's Kelly? Where's Kelly? Where's Kelly? I think they did refer in a, in that architectural digest, uh, video that they did when they were touring the sets. We do see Skipper's house and I think it's Skipper and Chelsea's house. So if they ever say Chelsea, that's Kelly. Her name just changed. Um, and so now Barbie, like she's tasked with taking care of her three younger sisters, feasibly speaking. Um, and there's also a host of other characters. There's Francie, there's Chrissy. Um, who these are characters that don't aren't really like seen much anymore. There's Teresa. There's Midge. Um, Blaine, who was an, apparently an Australian surfer, who Barbie was kind of like, you know entertaining while she was on her little break from ken um so the barbie world again it's vast it's vast there's a lot of barbie lore and i could spend all day on this but i'm choosing to spare you i've spent enough time on this
0: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in
1: So as we approach the the nineteen seventies, Barbie is definitely coming into vogue, so to speak. Um, so one big thing is that the face mold of Barbie changes, um, and there's a lot of things that that happen visually with Barbie around this time. Um, but I remember from that Trixie Mattel video, um, Trixie points out that like Barbie in the 60s kind of always had like a sideways glance, like she was never looking straight at you. But by the 70s, when we get like Malibu Barbie and Superstar Barbie, Barbie is looking at you. They change the face mold so that her eyes are like looking into your eyes. And I definitely think that that has to do in large part with the growth of the feminist movement, like second wave wave feminism, beginning to ramp up around this time and so it's just small gestures like that that do definitely tie to the cultural moment like barbie is not this kind of demure you know doll she is this very like headstrong doll and you know she kind of stands in her firm in that and you know how do you relay that with a doll you have her look dead in your eyes, of course. I think the 70s and 80s is like one of the most fun eras for Barbie um, because this is when they really so heavily lean into Barbie having everything. So like she's got the dream house, but then she's also got the Corvette, and then she's also got pets. She's got an endless wardrobe. My favorite thing uh, is, is, first of all, watching old Barbie doll commercials it's one of my favorite activities it's a very it's an enrichment activity you know i get a little snack and i just kind of put on my projector and i watch my doll commercials and then i fall asleep it's very very therapeutic but i also love going online and finding old barbie doll catalogs because you can see that they had that woman dressed to the nines in the 70s and 80s, some of those outfits, stunning. Stunning. I would wear those today. And that kind of holds true for the majority of Barbie's. (laughs) The the majority of Barbie's history is she becomes, she really steps into being this like fashion icon, you know what I'm saying? So like I said, when I mentioned Christy, we didn't, Christy is like a friend of Barbie's. She's not Barbie, we get the first like black Barbie or Hispanic Barbie in 1980. So that comes a little bit after Christy was was introduced. This was a big deal um, because it was she was Barbie. She was considered to be the main doll, um, but she was, you know, a doll of of color. Which again, a mainstream doll of color. That's a big deal. But I do want to flag. There's a little bit of a flag on the play here Um, because there was a when I was researching for for this, there is a really interesting notion that was brought up in the Smithsonian Magazine article kind of charting the cultural history of Barbie. And there was a um, or there is an anthropologist and professor by the name of Elizabeth Chen. And she's basically quoted as saying like, you know, everyone knows that the real Barbie is the blonde white one. So it kind of opens up the door of, you know, like how diverse can Barbie ever really be if the image of Barbie that is conjured within the public is still the blonde white one? You know what I mean? Um, It doesn't mean that Black Barbie or Hispanic Barbie like Latine Barbie is not valid because at the time it was in a a major deal for a doll to be bought for a little girl and have that doll look like her, maybe have the doll be kind of her hair is similar to her. Like it is a, it's a major deal, but it's kind of, it's the, it's the ideology of Barbie that presents these very, complex issues you know what i mean and we'll get into that later in the month but i just wanted to to kind of flag that that was a, a mounting um critique of of barbie um and it kind of it presents the the idea and it works kind of in tandem with you know like barbie can make a lot of strides in a lot of areas but again the social image of barbie is very fixed in some ways so again one to grow on, we're gonna get there, no need to fret. So we are moseying through the 70s, moseying through the 80s. Uh, in the 80s, we also get a famously one of the kind of biggest controversies that Barbie uh, was faced with, which is the whole Barbie and the Rocker situation. I have already talked about this on a prior podcast where I was taught, it's called the Great Doll War. Um, Is the name of the podcast episode. I'm really proud of that episode. I really quite enjoyed it, um, but it charts the, uh, again, very contentious relationship between Barbie and Bratz um, and kind of where a lot of those, you know, cultural scrappings um, take place with with those two dolls in particular. So if you're interested in that, I highly recommend, and I go into the whole Barbie and the Rocker situation a lot more. Uh, there because it's a very interesting case. So we move as we get closer and closer to the new millennia, Barbie really steps into this fashion icon status. Like she is not, she's not playing with y'all when it comes to, to her wardrobe. You know what I mean? Like when I tell you that her, her fashion repertoire is just endless. It really is. Like she was dressed to the nines and mattel was smart because they took the the stance of like we're gonna make the doll itself if you've ever played with barbies you know oftentimes the barbie comes like it's just the doll and the one outfit that she has if you want the extra like outfits and accessories and all that they came in these beautifully pink flat boxes and you would go to like toys r us or kb toys wherever you get your toys and you'd see just rows and rows of all of these different outfits and they basically took the stance of hey we're going to make the doll cheap but the accessories are kind of the premium so if you want to have your doll you know dressed and doing all these things to help with your imagination and whatnot we love that for you babe but you're going to pay You know what I mean, and they definitely they they took it and ran with it. Um, But like I said, she she really steps into her her fashion era in nineteen eighty four because this is when we get the first kind of like big kind of fashion partnership with Barbie with a designer, Um, and it's with Oscar de la Renta. And we see Barbie work with some of the biggest designers, Bob Mackie. If you ever want to see just artistry, look at a Bob Mackie Barbie stunning Barbie. I said in a many times over viral video, go check it out, um, that there are no excuses for the Barbie red carpet being boring when there are so many points of inspiration, including the Bob Mackie Barbies. Those Barbies are so beautiful. And if someone were to do a direct copy of those, I I think I would pass out. But I think it's really interesting that Barbie this is her her time to kind of step into being like a muse, so to speak. Like she becomes a muse beyond the world of toys, like especially in the world of fashion, she becomes this muse. And it's really, really interesting um, to see designers basically design on a very small scale, an 11 and a half inch scale to be specific. Like I said, you know, as we're moseying into the 90s, Barbie is changing with the time. She's almost She's almost always had her finger on the pulse. It doesn't mean that she's always gotten it right. um, Because around this time, I think there was this Barbie, I think it came out in 92. And it was, yes, it was in July of 1992. We get teen talk Barbie. um, And there was a lot of controversy around it because a lot of the things that she was programmed to say um, were not the most, you know, I guess, like, it didn't set the best example for, for kids. So, like, she would say, like, oh, like, I love shopping or want to have a pizza party. But also she was, like, programmed, like, one of her little sayings was just, like, math class is tough, which, like, okay, she is not wrong. You know what I mean? Like, it is controversial because, like, women can do math and women can rule the world. We love a woman in STEM. But for those of us who were not blessed with the woman in STEM gene, math class is tough is just a true statement. That is an objectively true statement. (laughs) But there were a lot of, like, a lot of Barbies uh, began to be, you know, kind of, you know, fraught with a lot of different, like, controversies and everything. Um, And and we'll get to that later down the line, but this is kind of the, the beginning of these Barbies encountering these problems. I mean, Barbies have always encountered problems like this, but it starts to prop up a lot more around this time. The 90s, I think, is when Barbie really starts to kind of mature, I think. Um, she, one most famously, one of her jobs is that she runs for president. Um, so this is when they start pushing out the presidential dolls. And I think they've been doing it every election year since 1992. That's when the first, like, President Barbie doll was released, um, so it was really neat. And in 2016, Barbie released an all-female ticket. So they had a President Barbie and a Vice President Barbie, which was cool. It was the whole thing of inspiring young women that they can too be president and everything like that. Um, like I said, Barbie is a professional job haver. Um, so it's cool that one of those jobs is is president. You know, that's a good aspiration to have. So again and through the 90s, into the 2000s, this is around the time that I was, this is the, the time I'm most nostalgic for with Barbie. Um, again, Barbie at this point is, is as, you know, it is as American and is so synonymous with it, with pop culture. Like you, you like, it's like Barbie, Coca-Cola, Mickey Mouse, Bug Bunny. Like, it's just like, she's a household name. Um, And to be fair, she became a household name years before this. But at this point, it was almost like a rite of passage to get your first Barbie. And it doesn't matter where you got that Barbie from. I remember seeing a tweet and like, you know, not to to discount this person's experience, but someone was just like, oh, you were rich if you had a Barbie. And there were so many people in the comment section being like, I got my first Barbie from like a thrift store. And at this point, also... Dolls that weren't Barbie were just called Barbie. Like the idea of having a, a fashion doll like that, it just became Barbie. Any doll that wasn't just incredibly different in some way. So like the face looked incredibly different, like a Bratz or they like the scale was different. So like an American Girl doll, um, or it was like a, you know, it kind of had a different gimmick like Monster High. Like any doll that wasn't those three was just Barbie even if Mattel didn't make the doll that's how like far reaching the idea of Barbie goes and it contributes to to her legacy the 2000s i think is when we really started to get Barbie branching out as far as not being confined to just the 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 parameters of a doll um so this is when we get the renaissance that is the Barbie cinematic universe which i think includes 22 or 23 uh, direct video movies, uh, my favorite of which being Barbie Princess and the Popper. I remember getting that as a gift and I wore that DVD out. I wore that DVD out. I loved Barbie Princess and the Popper. I sing the songs from it too often um, for not having seen it in years um, and maybe literally this weekend I might binge all the Barbie movies because they're, they're, I'm not gonna say that they're all good, but, 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 but there's a big old, but there's a big old, but they are great. You know they're not all good but they are great you know what i mean um so we get barbie on the on the big screen we get barbie on social media so she becomes an, an influencer and i think the 2010s is when barbie really starts to kind of change her her image um, because like i said in the mid 2000s i think they wanted to add a little bit more texture to barbie because the landscape that she had set uh, was saying that hey you can make a fashion doll and people are going to eat it up because like I mentioned in the very beginning of the episode, no one knew of a doll like Barbie would be successful in this way. Um, and so by the 2000s, you've got a lot of different, you know, fish in in this pool. Um, so obviously with the advent of Bratz, that offered a different type of, of, of doll. Um, you know, I think a lot of like Children of color are very uh, in touch with with brats and kind of what they represent and the area of the market that they they cornered. Um, and in the two thousands, I think Barbie wanted to kind of be like that because Barbie represented the status quo at that point. Um, Like Barbie was the standard, and so for Mattel, I think they had the task of figuring out how do we make this legacy product feel new again. And so with that, uh, you get like my scene, um, and then you get Barbies that are like, you know, like Barbie breaks up with Ken. Like she, she's trying a lot of different things to be, you know, new and fresh and fun. Right. And so by the 2010s, I think they're like, okay, let's bring barbie back to her roots the barbie that we know the barbie that we love let's really lean to this role model aspect of barbie you know like we are wanting her to be seen as this figure we want barbie to be for everyone uh barbie is everyone you know there's not just the one doll like anyone and everyone could be a barbie you know what i mean so we get one of my favorite things that comes from barbie in the 2010s is Uh, Barbie's YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is actually very, very good. It was a lot of uh, like direct to camera YouTube. Like it was vlogs. It was like Barbie vlogs. And she would just talk about these different things, including uh, depression and bullying. And so it is, okay, this, it's going to sound dumb, but it is very fun. It's very, go and watch the Barbie vlogs because there were points where I was just sitting and I'm really just like, wow. Yeah, Barbie, you're so right. You're so right. So true. It's really good. Um, but they also have this time start leaning in, you know, more to making more dolls of you know, empowering women and they have all of these different dolls that represent prominent, you know, female figures that come along, um, most famously around this time in 2016, we get the Barbies of different body types, which was a very big deal because a big part of Barbie's legacy is, you know, the idea of her having unrealistic body expectations. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing that came from Barbie, um, especially with the rise of internet culture is, you know, commentary on her body. And I know there are a lot of people saw that, like, um, it was like a Photoshopped image of like, oh, here's what a, a real woman would look like if she had Barbie proportions. And obviously like Barbie's chest and butt are like bigger than her waist, which is like a an inch, you know, like it's a lot of things like that. Um. But with the invention of Barbies that are tall and that are short and that are curvy and that are petite, like you're, again, opening up the door to Barbie really being everyone, not being for, being for everyone and being everyone. And you kind of have a more kind of all-encompassing image of of Barbie, or at least an attempt and an all-encompassing image. And that kind of brings us to, to modern day. Like Barbie is very much... You know, this this legacy brand that's been around for so long and I think has had so many different identities and so many different ways to approach and Barbie herself has changed and grown in in all of these different ways and is continuing to age and grow and I think, you know, Mattel is always trying to find the next best way to cater to the, the demographic of Barbie and making sure that she is this, you know, role model figure. Um... And I don't know, man, like, she's just, she's just this plastic it girl. We have not been able to keep our eyes off of Barbie since the late 50s. And I don't think that we really ever will. Okay, so every time I say that I am going to keep things brief, just know that that is, that's a lie. That's always a lie. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Afternooners. If you don't know, the Afternooners is my name for all of us. So if you made it to the end of this episode, congratulations, you're an Afternooner now. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate and review this podcast if you had a good time. It helps out the pod. You get to tell me how you're feeling about the pod. And I get that sweet hit of praise and validation that is my life force and keeps me going. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at the Afternoon Special on TikTok or Instagram, or over on Twitter at Hi I'm Bobby H I I M B O B B I. And if you're thinking Bobby, I need to go and do a full 22, 23 movie binge of every Barbie direct-to-video movie. I'm not gonna remember all that, bestie. I fully support that. I will also be doing that, and I put all of that description in the description box down below just for you you're welcome i hope you enjoyed this week's barbie filled chat and that you'll join me again next week for another barbie filled pop culture deep dive later days friends
0: on a summer night douglas wag jr lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Mini Leakes, Teresa Giudice, and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade and all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts.